Good morning. I want to welcome everybody here this morning and hope everybody had a nice Thanksgiving this past week. I know several of our uh, members are are still traveling and, and out of town, be traveling back today. And I know we have several visitors here with us today that will be, and, and our college students as well, that will be leaving to, to go back as well this afternoon. So let's uh, keep all those people in our thoughts and, and prayers for safe travel. Just a reminder to, uh, to pick up the Rome Journal on the table there in the foyer for um, updates to our prayer list, and we'll have those, some of those updates at the end of our service this morning with, with our announcements. Also, just a reminder that after services this morning, we will have our um, potluck meal. That'll be the first time that we've been able to do that for, goodness, almost two years now, so uh, before COVID. So we're looking forward to to that, for the opportunity to to fellowship with one another. And and then uh, right after our meal at 1 p.m., we'll be back in here for our afternoon services. We will not have our 4 p.m. service today. And then also at the end of our 1 p.m. service, we'll have... A couple of service projects and service projects were something that we did prior to COVID is an opportunity for us to uh, to come together and to to do different projects to help encourage either uh, people within our own congregation or those in our community so we'll have a couple of opportunities for for service projects this afternoon one will be focused on the shut-ins and then we'll have one also focused on uh, those that may be struggling that may be homeless um, out in our community so if you're able to, we encourage you to, to stick around for that and get involved. We'd love to have you. And also for the potluck, um, definitely would love to have all of our visitors stick around. If you didn't bring something, that's okay. We'd love to have you. We've got plenty of food, so please uh, stick around and let us get to know you better. Uh, today we'll have uh, Jeff Galloway will be doing the, the reading and prayer. Uh, Jim Haney will be presiding at the table. And uh, Dickie Parker will have our closing prayer uh, so as we look forward to, to worshiping our God this morning, I'd like to read from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable, hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time, Lord, thanking you, Father, for this another first day of the week that we can come together to worship you, Father. We are so thankful, Lord, that you are our God and we thank you for Jesus, your son, and for what he means to us, Father, for his life, for his death on the cross, Father, the hope of eternal life that we have through, through him. And Father, we just are so thankful for the church here at Rome, for each person that is here, Father, thankful that we can come together and, and worship you this morning, Lord, that you've given us the ability to do so and a, a building to come into and, and do so in comfort and without fear of persecution, Father, and Father, we are mindful of so many of our numbers that are dealing with different um, issues, health issues, and we pray for each of them, Lord. We pray those that are undergoing different treatments and tests that you'd be with them, and and Father, be with those that have um, 
suffered loss recently, Lord. We just want to continue to remember them and pray you'd be with them and give them peace and comfort at this time. And, and Lord, be with our shut-ins at this time. As, uh, this can be a difficult time of the year for them through the holidays. And uh, just pray that you'd be with them and, and watch over them and help us to do our part to, to encourage them, Lord. And, and Father, we just ask your blessings upon our service today that everything that we do is is pleasing in your sight and that we worship you in truth and spirit and, and just pray that you'd be with us and watch over us and help us to clear our minds of any distractions that we can focus solely on you lord and father be with us and forgive us when we do sin it's through jesus christ we do pray amen Let us all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 388. 388. Let every heart rejoice and sing. Let every heart rejoice and sing. Let royal anthems rise. Hymn this morning, hymn number 19. Hymn number 19, all hail the power of Jesus' name. And it's after this song that uh, Brother Jeff Galloway will lead us in prayer and have our scripture read.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we're humbled for the chance to come together as a church family, uh, speaking to you in prayer. Father, we pray that you will uh, hear our prayer here this morning, hear the prayer of all your people uh, throughout the nation, throughout the world, Father, as we're all gathered uh, in one spirit, worshiping you and your son. Father, I ask you'll bless this worship service. May be pleasing in your sight. Father, bless the leadership here at Rome. Uh, bless them with wisdom and, and discernment and the ability to make uh, good decisions that help this church grow numerically and spiritually, Father, and continue to be an example in this community. Father, I ask you'll uh, just bless those who have been mentioned so far this morning uh, and this week uh, at this church who are suffering with illness and suffering with loss. Uh, Father, we're especially mindful for those who are uh, dealing with COVID currently. We pray that you will uh, bless them, help them to return to their uh, normal portion of health, Father, quickly. Uh, bless those who are dealing with cancer. and uh, Bless those who uh, are dealing with uh, loneliness and, and depression and, and just uh, struggling this time of year uh, with the, uh, the holidays. Father, we also ask you to bless those who are traveling. Keep them safe. Keep them uh, in your care as well, Father. Father, we, uh, we just ask that you will uh, bless us as, as we try to edify each other, Father, and, and glorify you throughout this day and throughout our lives, Father. Help us to be good examples to the people that we come in contact, whether it be at, at work or at school, at the grocery store, just wherever it is, Father. Help us to... Uh, leave an impression on people that we live differently because we 
serve you and, and that we love Jesus and uh, give us the opportunities to uh, reach out to them. Father, it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Scripture reading this morning, if you want to follow along, will be from Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, the verse is verse 15, but I'm going to read verses 14, 15, and 16 if you want to follow along. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Next hymn this morning, number 452, Night with Evan Pinion. Sing this before we protect the Lord's Supper. Night with Evan As we all know, Thursday we celebrated a day of Thanksgiving. But something that we as Christians need to do is to remember that we ought to be thankful every day for what we have. The most important thing in our life 
that we have is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without that, we would have no hope of an eternal life. And it's through his death and his burial and his resurrection that we receive the blessings that we do as Christians. We know there's troubling times. We know there's sickness and things in our lives. But we have to rely on him and our faith and our trust in him to bring us through all of this. In Matthew, the 27th chapter, starting 45, now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, this is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. And when Jesus cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. Let us remember this death and everything every day of our life and be thankful every day. Let us give thanks for the bread, the one of the emblems that he has given us to remember him by the bread representing his broken body. Our Father, which art in heaven, we thank you again for your son Jesus, for his death and what it means for us. Father, we thank you for the emblems that you have, that he has instituted to help us to remember these from week to week, from day to day of his suffering and his pain on the cross. Bless this bread as we partake of it. We'll be praying in Christ's name, and amen. Now just give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Our Father, which art in heaven again, thank you for the shedding of Jesus' blood, that through the shedding of that blood we have the remission of our sins through our obedience to your word. Bless this fruit of the vine as we partake of it, for we pray in Christ's name, and amen. We used to be able to take a little bit of time as the trays were being passed through the congregation. We'd have about five minutes to think about the death and about the shedding of his blood. And now we have these little containers and it seems like we just, you know, we go through this so fast. But, you know, just through the week, I mean, we need to contemplate on this, not just, not just during this worship service and to think about what, what this means to us and these emblems. This concludes the communion part of our service, but I just want to say a few things of being thanksgiving and 
the things that we should be thankful for, the blessings that we have. Personally, the things that I'm thankful for, and I'm sure you can relate them to your life. I'm thankful for my faithful wife, for my family, for my children and my grandchildren. And we all should be thankful for that. I'm thankful for my parents who taught me right from wrong, to be honest, to respect other people, the family values that we have lost today, that people just think they can sleep with whoever they want to sleep with, move from boyfriend to boyfriend or girlfriend to girlfriend and have children and just the sanctity of the family has been taken away. I thank that I thank God that I have had the blessings of faithful Christian parents. The freedom that we have since the Civil War and all the wars thereafter, we have lost one million one hundred and seventy thousand veterans. They gave their lives for this country and the freedom that we have. I'd like all of our veterans to raise their hand right now. If you were a veteran, raise your hand. We thank you for your service. Thank you. I thank, I'm thankful for the Christian pioneers that have come before us. My great-grandmother helped lay brick on the church at 18th Street and Madison Avenue. And those values, Christian values, were passed down to my mom's dad and to my mom and to me. I thank you for the brothers and the sisters in this congregation because you're a strength to us, to me. And it's good to see you all when we gather here from time to time. It was rough when we couldn't meet through the COVID and we had to watch it on a computer. And I'll be honest, it was, it was, it was hard. It was difficult. And I, th I think you feel the same way. I'm thankful for the income, the means of our income that we have and our finances. And it is through that that the church can operate and we help other people in the community and it takes money and I'm thankful that God has blessed us and blessed our country where we can have this freedom to come together to be able to lay by and store a portion of that that he has given to us as we have the containers in the back uh, put your contribution in there at this time, let's just offer a prayer for that. Our Father, again, we thank you for the many, many blessings. Father, we just have been blessed in so many ways, and we are just thankful for everything that you have done for us. We pray that you continue to bless us and bless the money that we have set aside. We just pray, Father, that we do so in a cheerful manner, in a manner pleasing to you. And just bless those who have oversight. We just pray that they will use it in a way pleasing unto you. Continue to bless us each day. Watch over us in the end. Father, give us that home in heaven with you. 
For we pray in Christ's name, and amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 682, To God Be the Glory. It's at this time that the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. To God be the glory, great thing he has done, so holy. Invitation hymn for this morning, number 50, Are You Washed in the Blood? This time, Brother Chris. Good morning. Hope you each had a good Thanksgiving. We did. I'm appreciative of that. Um, be turning to Hebrews chapter 5. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. Hebrews chapter 5. You ever seen those memes like the one behind me uh, where... I was today years old when I figured this particular thing out. Those always make me feel so stupid. I think they're designed to make me feel stupid. Uh, But this one got me too. I did not know that these bread tabs were colored by the day of the week, that the the bread was, was made. It's weird, right? Today we're studying something that we know. We understand that Jesus is our high priest. We get that. But the Hebrew writer... And God, don't think that you get it to the extent that you ought to get it. They don't think that you are as focused, that we are as focused on this, that we understand it to the depth that we need to understand it. And so that's where we want to spend our time today. But I did want to share a couple more with you of these things because I think they're, they're hilarious. Yeah. Did you know that one? I didn't know that one. That one got me. 
Uh, I was talking to Kelly about what were some of the best ones of these that she had heard about on the way home uh, from our Thanksgiving yesterday. And she said, the gas tank thing. And I was like, what gas tank thing? It got me. I was, I was literally yesterday years old when I found out that that was true. Uh, advance one more slide for me, guys. This one. I was yesterday days old when I figured this one out, too. Uh, the, the, uh, the division symbol. That funny, like it's just place markers, right? Uh, it's just a blank fraction with the dots replacing the numbers. I didn't know that. Hebrews chapter five is going to tell you some stuff that you don't really understand to the depth that we need to understand them. Can you advance this slide? Yeah, there we go. Hebrews chapter five. Let's read this little section. This one through four. Hebrews five through four uh, is one section, and then Hebrews five five through ten is the next section. One, or Hebrews 5, 1 through 4 talks about the high priest. He's got some stuff um, relative to him that is true, that the Father thinks that we need to understand, that is also relative to Christ. So he's going to say some stuff about the high priest, the Old Testament, Mosaical law, high priest. He's going to say those same things are true about Christ. They're just true to a greater level. Now, something we know, right? But I don't think we understand the depth that it's true. So let's walk through this real quick. Hebrews 5, 1 through 4. For every high priest was chosen from among men, <coughs> is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one can take this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So there's a several things there that we need to pick up. Um, I've got them highlighted. We're going to go through one of them at a time. They're highlighted on the board behind me. So if you've got uh, a pen, you may want to mark these down in your Bible. Underline chosen from among men, because that's important. The high priest was chosen from mankind. The man there is Anthropos. Uh, the word in Greek is anthropos, meaning like anthropology, mankind. And so he is chosen out of us. The word ek is out. And so we were reminded of the church. It's the ecclesia. We are pulled out of the world, chosen out of the world. Different, right? Pulled out. Different category. That, that's kind of what he's saying here. Every high priest is chosen from mankind. They're like us, right? They're human. They're flesh and blood. They understand what's going on with us. Um, so the word that we need to be familiar with here is, is connection. They've got a connection to us. They get it because they're human. It would be difficult for us to understand what it's like to be a frog, right? Never been a frog. It would be tough to, for us to understand what it's like to be a rhinoceros, Never been that, or a plant. Never been that. These guys understand because they were, are human. And so they have a connection with us. So if you write in your Bibles, right above chosen from among men, write that word connection. Because that's important. Connection. These guys have a connection with us because of a similar heritage. They're man just like we are. Um, the second thing you need to understand is... This idea of gifts and sacrifices. 
gifts is the non-bloody sacrifices. Sacrifices are the ones that they would have killed. So think of gifts as incense and things like that that don't involve blood. Um, These guys would have given that to God, would have offered that to God for sins, right? They're trying to make an atonement. So they are like us. We have a connection with them because they are man, mankind. They are part of our community. Uh, they They think like us. All right, second thing. He can deal gently, right? He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward. That's us, in case you were wondering. We are the ignorant and the wayward. But so is he, right? Because remember, he's human too. So he is beset by the same stuff that messes all of us up. He, he deals with the same things. Uh, he's in, that's, that's his wheelhouse. If you're struggling with something, this guy's probably struggling with it too. He's human. He gets all that stuff. And so... The word you need to underline here is is gently, uh, and the word there is compassion. Not only do do we have a connection with this high priest, or he has a connection with us because he's human, but he also has compassion for us. Remember, we're talking about the Old Testament high priest, right? So Hebrews is all about comparing the old law to the new law. Because we've got an awful lot of people who come out of the old law, who come out of Judaism, who, are, who have come into the church, who have been called out of, remember Ecclesia, called out of the world. They've, they've been called into the church. They're saved now. But they're looking back into Judaism like that was something they wanted to go back. Go back into that. That would, that would be taking steps backward. That would be to your detriment. That, there's nothing but death and destruction back in Judaism. You don't look back, you, you go forward, you hold on tight to Christ. The word he's going to use repeatedly throughout this, throughout this letter is hold fast. And he's trying to encourage these people to hold fast. And there's something here in Hebrews 5 that he thinks is going to help us hold fast. This whole idea of a relationship between the Old Testament high priest and Jesus as our high priest. There's something here he thinks will help us hold fast. And so he's trying to get us to see we have a connection with the Old Testament high priest because he's human. But he also has compassion for us. Well, why would he have compassion for us? He was perfect, right? Nah, remember, he's man. He messes up. He sins just like we do. He makes all the stupid decisions. He chooses himself over God's law. On occasion, he sins just like we do. And so he says he can have compassion for us. He can deal gently uh, with us. Now this word's interesting because you're going to want to put a, 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 an arrow back to Hebrews 4.15, the section that Jeff read for us uh, this morning. So underline gently and then put a little mark back to Hebrews 4.15. Go back and look at that, at that verse real quick. You're going to see the word sympathize. The Hebrew writer says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. He uses two different words for sympathize and gently, but they're related. The word he uses for sympathize, or excuse me, the word he uses for gently is a word that says that he can, this high priest can sympathize a a little. He gets it a little. Well, why would he get it a little? Jesus gets it completely. He understands completely 
what you're going through. This guy, even though he's mankind just like you are, just like he sins, just like you sin, he can only understand a little of what you're going through. Now, when he said this, when the Hebrew writer said this, their minds would have immediately shot back to Hebrews 4.15, just left that passage, right? That's only been just a few words ago. So when he says the high priest can sympathize with you a little bit, their minds immediately go back to Hebrews 4.15, where the Hebrew writer says Jesus gets it completely. He understands all the things that you're going through. This guy just understands a little bit. Why? Because Jesus didn't sin. This guy did. And so he gave in to the temptation. Whenever he was beset by temptation, that's what he says here in Hebrews 5, right? He was beset by temptation. He gave in. There were times when he fell. And so he doesn't understand all the things that can be learned from enduring that that temptation. But Jesus does. He understands every aspect of it because he never gave in. So this guy's human, and you would think that, oh, a human can understand me because we're both human. That's not what he's saying here. He says, Jesus gets you because he went through the temptations but didn't give in. And so he can sympathize completely. This guy, while he's human, he can only understand a little bit because he's dealing with the same weakness you're dealing with. And so he gets you, but... Not a lot, not completely at least, just a little bit. That's what he's trying to say with, he can deal gently with you here. But what I want you to understand is the compassion. Um, that's that's the, the ticket here with Hebrews 5 verse 2. Uh, the Old Testament high priest can deal with us compassionately. All right, verse 3. Move on to the next one. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins. So this guy has a mission, right? What's the Old Testament high priest's job? He has one job, offer sacrifices for sin, right? And there's even one day in particular, today they call it Yom Kippur, but it's in, the, in the Bible it's going to be noted as the Day of Atonement. On that day, one day a year, he goes into the most holy place and he makes sacrifices for sin. That's his job. He does priestly work throughout the rest of the year, but on this one day... He goes into the most holy place and he makes a sacrifice for sin. That's his mission. That's his job. He does this every day of the year. He makes sacrifices every day. But on this particular day, it's the day when those sins are rolled forward. So this guy's got a mission. He's got a job. This is what he does. Um, and so because he himself is a sinner, he has to make sacrifice for his own sins as well. And so he's got a mission. So we know now that he's got a connection with us because he's human. He's got a connection for us because he can deal gently because he understands a little bit of what we're going through. Not completely, but a little bit of what we're going through. And he's got a mission, right? Mission is to, to offer sacrifice for sins. That fourth thing uh, found in Hebrews 5 verse 4. And no one takes this honor for himself. How did you get to become a priest? You just kind of walk into Jerusalem one day and say, hey, you know what? I've been thinking about it, and I really want to become a priest. They would have laughed at you. You had to have a specific pedigree to become a priest of Yahweh. And so you had to come from the line of Levi. You had to be a Levite. To be the high priest, you had to come from a specific family in that, that tribe. And so Aaron 
has a brother, Moses, right? You're familiar with him from the Old Testament. Uh, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, their sister. You couldn't come from Miriam's line and be the high priest. Didn't work. You couldn't come through Moses' line and be the high priest. That's not how it functioned. Although they are Levites. Their children became priests, but not the high priest. The high priest only descended through Aaron's line. And so no one takes this honor for himself. It has to be appointed to him by God. Okay. So we've got a connection with this guy. It's kind of what the, um, the Hebrew writer is saying. Remember, these are people that are just now coming out of Judaism. Uh, I don't know how long it's been since they came out of Judaism, since they came into the church, that he's writing this letter. Maybe a couple years, maybe a couple decades. Um, I think this is written a, a little bit before 70 AD, maybe 65, when the persecution starting to intensify. They can see it coming down the line. They know life is about to get very, very hard for Christians. They can kind of see it coming. Certainly this author sees it coming. Um, but that, that hasn't happened just yet. Um, but they're, they're looking forward to that time when persecution is going to happen and trying to prepare themselves for it. And so he's saying, don't, don't look back into Judaism because there's nothing there for you. Let me show you the difference between Judaism and Christianity. Well, in Judaism, you have a connection with the high priest, right? Because he's man and he, he gets it a little bit. He gets what it's like to be human a little bit, but not all the way. Because he's got some sin too, but he can deal with you compassionately because he struggles with some of the same stuff that you that you deal with, and so he gets it. Um, but he's got a mission, uh, and he's got an ordination, right? That's our final term for for, for verse four. He's a, he's got an ordination. He's a special kind of person that comes out of um, the tribe of Levi. Now, what's so interesting is what happens. Oh, no. Did I do that? Okay. So what's so interesting is what happens in Hebrews 5, verse 5. He says, so also Christ. So we're about to learn some stuff that is true about the Old Testament high priest, is also true about Christ, right? So remember those four terms, connection, compassion, Mission, ordination, that's going to be true about Christ too. Check it out. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. If you write in scripture, that's Psalm 2 verse 7. He's going to, the Hebrew writer is going to uh, pull quotations from the Old Testament out all the time. It's one of his favorite things to do. Um, because, again, he's talking to Jewish people. This is where the meat is for them. They want to see that Jesus really is the Messiah that's been await- that they've been waiting for uh, for the last several thousand years. Prove it to me. And the Hebrew says, I can prove that to you. He goes back to the Old Testament. He starts pulling in these verses. This one from Psalm 2, verse 7, he's already quoted to us. In fact, this is his purpose in quoting uh, this passage previously. In fact, uh, this has been his, his point from Hebrews 1 through chapter 4. He's been trying to prove to us that Jesus is God's son. Now he's going to move on. He, he's proven that point to us, right? Now in verse 6, he's going to move on to what he's going to try to prove to us through the rest of this letter. So in verse 6, he says, 
Remember, he's switching gears. He's pivoting here. In verse 6, he says, as he also says in another Psalm 110, verse 4. It's another one of his favorite passages. Um, as he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, if you don't know who Melchizedek is, strap in. Because we're going to talk about this guy next week or two weeks from now. I don't want to deal with him today. This is just a quick reference to him. and We're going to deal with him later. Um, because he becomes the central focus of the Hebrew writer's um, mind in the upcoming chapters. Um, but Psalm 110 verse 4 mentions this idea that you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. No other biblical writer ever attaches to that psalm and says, that was talking about Jesus. That only comes through Hebrews. It's kind of interesting, right? But it's one of his favorite thoughts. He keeps coming back to this, this idea because Jesus is not from the tribe of Levi. We'll talk about that in just a second. So now he, he's pivoted again. He's, he's done trying to convince us that Jesus is God's son. If you're not convinced of that by this point, the Hebrew writer says, I can't help you. Go back and read Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. He is God's son. Now he's pivoting and he's saying Jesus is a different sort of priest. Well, let's, let's check out the rest of verse 7. Here's where it starts getting so powerful for us. He says, in the days of his flesh. Stop right there. Underline in the days of his flesh. Because Jesus now has a connection with us, doesn't he? Before this, he didn't really have the same kind of connection, did he? Because he was God. It'd be like us trying to understand what it's like to be a frog. You can't get it. God knew he couldn't get it. So he sent Jesus to one of us. He sent him to, to tabernacle among us. Flip over to John chapter 1. This is uh, an incredible passage that talks about something that is just impossible to wrap our minds around. But John tries to get it there for us. In John chapter 1, verse 1, he goes all the way back to what happened before the beginning. You ever wondered what was going on before Genesis 1, 1? This is what was going on before Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to bear, he came as a witness to bear witness about that light that all might believe through him. Now you know that that light, that that word is Jesus. John's original readers might have been in the dark, so to speak, on that, on that point. So he, he points them to John 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh. He dwelt among us. And we've seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the Hebrew writer reminds us of that fact. Jesus is like us. He came to put on flesh. He came to be consolidated into a human body at one point in one time, limited, right? so that he can identify with us. Uh, the, the passage that we studied last week, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, 
brings to our attention first that Jesus gets it, right? But here the Hebrew writer says, I understand you know that, but I don't think you really understand it. Maybe today years old, when you get what Jesus' priestship really means. What's it mean that he's a priest? Well, it means that he has a connection with us, right? He gets it. He was flesh, beset by all the same weaknesses as we are, yet without sin. And so, underlying in the days of his flesh and right connection, we've got a connection with God now because he understands what it's like to be human. Let me give you an illustration from Hebrews chapter 5, the same illustration that the Hebrew writer is going to give his audience. Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. There's a lot caught up in that little section, that little verse that we need to think about. Uh, In the days of his flesh, remember, he's trying to get us to see that Jesus is human. So he, he says, well, what would it be like to be human? These guys got it, didn't they? Because they're being hurt. They're being persecuted because they've followed Christ. And they say, is he worth it? Does he even care? Because I'm starting to feel like he doesn't care. Put yourself in their shoes. You've been a Christian maybe for 10, 15, 20 years. Maybe as short as two or three years. Two or three months. And now things are starting to heat up. You've made a lot of sacrifices. It's cost you a lot to follow Christ. And this guy's saying, it's about to cost you a whole lot more. It's about to cost you your life. And so you start thinking, does he even, does he even get it? Does he, does he understand what it's like to be here, to be frail, to, to stand in front of someone who's got the power of life and death in control of him? Does he get that? The Hebrew writer says Jesus offered up prayer. It's literally beggings. Jesus is begging the Father. It's not the normal word for prayer. It's a different word. He's begging the Father. When does he do that? It's in the Garden of Gethsemane, isn't it? The event that the Hebrew writer is trying to get us to see, he's painting a word picture for us here, and our minds ought to shoot back to that gloomy night in the Garden of Gethsemane around midnight when Jesus was arrested. Right before that event, he's set... Nine of the disciples, Judas is gone. Uh, He's already gone to betray. He set a good portion of the disciples uh, over here. He walks on into the garden, deeper into the the recesses of the garden. It's darker there. And he sets three of the disciples here. Peter, Andrew, or Peter, James, and John sit here. And then he goes even darker into the recesses of the garden. And he's asking them to pray as he goes over and prays. This is the scene that the Hebrew writer is trying to get us to see here. Jesus offered up beggings, these prayers, and supplications. The word behind the supplications idea is he's offering an olive branch to God. He's looking for peace. He's got a peace treaty in his hand. Is there any way that this can not happen? 
Let this cup pass from me. That, that, that's the idea, this supplications idea. This loud cries, this is a horrible word. Uh, maybe the best way to explain it uh, is, you ever heard a crow call? That, rah, rah, that, that kind of, not a good crow, crow voice, sorry. But that kind, of, that kind of call, that's the word that he's using here. Jesus is in such internal pain. All he can do is groan. You ever been there? I don't, I don't know that I've ever been there. I've never prayed like that. I've never had to pray like that. Maybe you have. That's how Jesus is praying. It's not so much words as his just this groaning and the pleading and just soul rending. In fact, the word he uses next for tears uh, is it's a different word than he usually uses for tears too. He's torn up on the inside. His insides are, are roar, rolling and boiling, and he's just eviscerated from the inside out. And it's coming out of these groans and, and pleas and. It's not so much words it is, is as it is just sounds, guttural noises uh, that, are, that are crying out to him. Had the apostles been awake, a stone's throw away, it would have been a horrible sound to hear. And so the Hebrew writer says, does Jesus get it? Oh yeah, he gets it. He understands. When you're afraid like this, I've never been that afraid. I've never had to pray like that. I've never been in those kind of deep throes. They were. The people the Hebrew writers writing to were, certainly. And it was going to get worse. He says, Jesus gets it. He is like you. He's been there. We have a connection with him, right? Because he was human. And not only... Does he get it just a little bit like the Old Testament high priest did? He gets it fully because he never gave in to those sins. He never gave in. And so he understands every bit times ten than what we're dealing with. He was heard because of his reverence. That's important. Remember, every word in Scripture is important. Why does the Hebrew writer put that there? Why does he include that Jesus was heard? Of course he was heard. He's God in the flesh, right? He's Emmanuel. Why would God not hear him? He puts that there to remind these people that when they pray, God hears them too. Sometimes he just says no. He told Jesus no in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was no fault of Jesus's. It wasn't a lack on Jesus' part. It wasn't a sin on his part. Certainly, he was without sin. It wasn't that he wasn't praying correctly. It wasn't that God didn't hear him. He heard him. Because Jesus had lined his will up with the Father's. That's what reverence means. He wanted what the Father wanted. Jesus was perfectly in line with the Father. He just said no. Sometimes he says no. But we're always heard. Although he was a son, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. He suffers with us, right? He goes through all this stuff with us. And so not only do we 
have a connection with Jesus, we also can be assured that he is compassionate toward us. He's not asking us to do anything he hasn't already done. To these Hebrew Christians, he's telling them, it's going to get worse. You're about to have to give up more for me than what you've already given up. And what you've already given up is making you, forcing you, tempting you to go back into Judaism just to make the pain stop, just to make life a little bit easier. He says, Jesus has been there. He gets it. He has compassion for you because he suffered too. He suffered more than they did. He suffered more than we did. Do. He's compassionate. Verse 9, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. What was Jesus' mission here on earth? Remember the Old Testament high priest, his mission was to offer sacrifices between God and man. Jesus' mission is to offer eternal salvation. So underline eternal salvation. That's, that's, our, that's his mission. That's what he came to do. Remember, he came to seek and save that which was lost. That's his mission. It's what, it's what he came to do. It's his job. But notice also, it's not everybody. It's not everybody, is it? It's not what the Hebrew writer says. Who does he say Jesus offers eternal salvation to? Look in your Bibles. Those who, what? Obey him. Those who obey him. And so, if you think that you can come sit in a pew and not obey, on the day of judgment, he's going to convince you that that's not the case. But that's not how you inherit salvation. You inherit salvation by obedience. Right? Look at this last verse, verse 10. We'll come back to this thought in just a second. Jesus was designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Again, we're going to come to Melchizedek again next uh, in the following weeks because he's just a really interesting character and he's somebody that the Hebrew writer wants to focus on. What you need to know for today is he didn't come from the, from the tribe of Levi. Jesus also doesn't come from the tribe of Levi, right? He's from the tribe of Judah. Now, to us, we're like, well, what does it care? Who matters? What, what, what does it matter that he comes from a different tribe? To the Jewish people, it mattered an awful lot because if you're not from the tribe of Levi, you don't get to be a high, you can't be a high priest. But here, the Hebrew writer says, Jesus is your high priest. And in fact, he understands better than the Old Testament high priest because he understands how we feel. Not just a little like that guy did, but completely. And he's compassionate. He has a mission. But here, he's been ordained. Not by man, but by God. God has designated him to this post. Just like he designated Melchizedek to his post. So, Jesus has an offer for us this morning. Will you come to him and allow him to be your high priest? Who understands exactly what you're going through more than the person sitting next to you will, more than anybody else on this planet can. 
because he's the one who made a perfect sacrifice on your behalf. He gets it. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what it's like to struggle like that. He gets it. And he's capable of helping if you'll come to him. The problem is coming. Will you give yourself over? Will you sacrifice yourself so that you can come to him? Will you obey? So that you can inherit salvation. That's what he says in verse 9. And so this morning, are you willing to obey? To get inside of Christ, to be baptized into his blood, to have your sins washed away, but also with that promise comes a sacrifice, doesn't it? We lay our lives on the cross so that we can accomplish his agenda in this world. We become his hands and his feet as we go throughout the rest of our lives. If you're willing to obey this morning, he's willing to offer salvation. Won't you come as we stand and sing? few announcements to go with before we're dismissed. I remember the toy drive for the Hoops Children's Hospital at Cabell. Unwrapped gifts can be donated through December 17th. The boxes are in the old foyer area. Just a reminder to parents of our away home, away from home college students, get your picture taken today. 
uh, while your child is here. Take advantage of that opportunity. David is still needing teachers for Wednesday night classes. Sign up on the foyer board if you can teach this winter quarter. Today will be the congregational potluck following this service. Uh, everyone's invited. We'll return to the auditorium following our meal for afternoon services at 1. There'll be no 4 o'clock services and service projects beginning at 2. On our prayer list, um, remember Kent Picklesheimer as he has the EKG tomorrow. Uh, prayers are requested for Roger and Diana Duncan. She remains in the hospital, and Roger is now at home with COVID. Uh, keep Sean Maynard, Gail Hewitt's son, in your prayers. Upcoming tests determine the cause of his tremors. Uh, Kelly Williams, keep Kelly in your prayers as she continues her treatments. Uh, remember Rusty, Kristen, Donia Hennig, Diane Foss, and so many others battling cancer are undergoing treatments at this time. Make sure you pick up a journal in the back. I have one thank you card. Uh, it's kind of weird to read this. It says Brian and I. But Brian and I would like to thank you for all the goodies, food, thoughts, texts, and calls, and prayers as we went through this surgery. The best family in the world is a praying family. Thank you so much, Tanya and Brian. Is there any other announcements that need to be made? If not, we'll have a closing song and a closing word of prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 250. Sing the very first and last verse of How Sweet, How Heavenly. And then Brother Dickie Parker will lead us in prayer. How sweet, how heavenly is the song when those that love the Lord in one another's peace delight and so fulfill. Love is the golden chain that binds the happy souls above. And peace and air of him who finds his bosom glow with love. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father, we thank you so much for the love that you show us on a daily basis. And Father, we hope everything said and done here this morning in our worship service is pleasing to thy sight and joyful to thy ears. Father, we thank you for Chris and the lesson that he brought to us. We thank you for your word and the reminders of the way that you want us to live the love that you have for us and how special Jesus was for us, that he watches over us and guides us and guards us and directs us. Father, we get all that from your word. And Father, as we enter out into the world, let us remind ourselves that how much you do love us and the light that you want us to be for you. Father, we ask that you watch over us. We ask that you be with those that are sick. We ask that you be with Brother Kent and his test tomorrow. Kelly Williams and Sean Maynard and Dottie Diamond and Sally Johnson, Father. We ask that, and we have many more, Father, that are among our numbers. We ask that you be with them and bless each of those. And Father, as we come together in fellowship and enjoy this meal, we ask that you bless the food and those that partake of it, that it may strengthen our bodies so we may better serve you. And we ask all these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>